your Bibles to Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9. And uh, yeah, that, it says Acts 23:31 on the notes there on the screen. That's not quite right. We're still on Acts chapter number 9. But we'll be getting there at some point. I love the fact, and as we get into the message tonight, I'm glad to know, where are we at on time? 6.36, we're doing great. I am glad to know, and as we look at things, ministry is not a one-man show. It's not. And there are many, you know, there are some people that love the fact that they could be like the Lone Ranger. But even the Lone Ranger wasn't technically alone, right? Technically, he had Tonto, right? So he wasn't technically alone. But in ministry, you need teamwork. Um, I, what's that old, what's that saying? Teamwork makes the dream work. Anyone ever hear that one before? And uh, I'm not going to, whatever, that's all right there. But right away, Paul gets himself in a lot of trouble. And you know why Paul gets himself in a lot of trouble? Because as passionate as he was to destroy Christianity, he was that passionate to get the gospel out. And he got in trouble. And if it wasn't for other Christians, Paul might not have made it out of the city the first time. Let's read together chapter 9, verse 23. It says, And after many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. This is talking about Paul. But their laying wait was known of Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. They were looking to see if he came through. The, they were going to take him. Now look at what it says. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. You see, they were waiting at the gate to take him, and they sought to kill him. And it says, the followers of Jesus here, took Saul, the one who had been persecuting them, really. They took him and led him down the wall on the side. Keep on reading. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. And you and I would do the same thing. If there's someone who was threatening and persecuting Christians, and then and we're fearful of that persecution, and he comes walking in the door and says, I got saved. Sure, bud. You're just here to take us all to jail. You're here to kill us. I get why they doubted. But look what the Bible says. But Barnabas. May I tell you, one of my favorite people in the Bible is Barnabas. Saul needed Barnabas here. And though no one wanted Saul here, look at what it says, but Barnabas took him. Man, I picture Saul walking in to the meeting of the disciples there. And they're like, no, no. We don't trust you. There's the door. And I could see him turning to walk out the door, starting to walk that way. And I just picture Barnabas coming right beside him. I'm like, come back here. It's what the Holy Spirit does with us. He walks right beside us. He's doing what Barnabas is doing, what every Christian should be doing for Christian on the face of the planet. But anyways, we look and we see here where Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. 
and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was, co- and he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of Jesus Christ and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had all the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. I think there's a great lesson to be learned right here. And we'll talk about this more tonight and maybe more even next time as we get into it. But as we look at this, do you see the churches, they were edified? They had peace? Did they have peace from the outside world? I believe they had peace on the inside. Because sometimes you've got to understand, church, the attacks on the church come from without. But I think some of the biggest attacks we will ever face are the ones that come within these four walls, or six walls, whatever this weird room does. You know, you get what I'm saying when I say that. The church grew. The church had peace. And God did a great work. But they were about ready, the disciples, they were ready to send away the greatest missionary to ever live. Now, they didn't know that at the time. I get that. But literally, I cannot think of a greater missionary in all the world than Paul. And there was a man who stepped up, loved him enough to encourage him in the Lord and help him on his way. That's what Christianity should be all about. Do you know in all the Bible, Barnabas is barely mentioned. He's mentioned for selling his possessions and giving it to the church in chapter 4. And they surnamed him Barnabas. He's heard of here helping Paul. He later on goes on a missionary journey with Paul. And John Mark turns back. And then good old Barnabas wants to take John Mark again. And Paul says no. And we never hear of Barnabas again. And yet later before Paul's death and things, he says, hey, why don't you bring John Mark with you? He's profitable. A man barely mentioned in the scriptures. And yet one of the greatest helpers to the work of God. Barnabas. I want to take a little time tonight. I want to talk about teamwork and what the scripture says here tonight. Father, I pray that you bless the time that we have tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Pray that you would guide us and help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see right away as we dive into this passage that Saul, instead of wreaking havoc on the church, he's now wreaking havoc for Jesus Christ, turning the world upside down. And I love, I thought of a verse, how it tells us in Luke 6, verse number 45, a good man out of a good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. 
and an evil man out of an evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And when Saul wasn't saved, when Saul was not in a good place, you saw it in his life, right? But then when Saul got saved and Jesus changed his life, you see how that changed his actions as well. And that's why it's so important. The heart is so important. I took time with our young people earlier tonight, and I talked about the soul. So important. Your heart is so important. So it says we're supposed to guard it and keep it with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We need to be so careful. But as we look at Saul here tonight, he loved the things of God, and he couldn't help but, as the other disciples said earlier, but speak about the things which he had seen and heard. Man, he met Jesus, and Jesus changed his life, and he was going to let everybody know that Jesus changed his life. Let me ask you a question tonight. How many of Jesus changed your life? I think every one of us should be raising our hand to that. And if he hasn't changed your life, you might not be saved. You might want to get that taken care of. I'd also go ask you to pray for me tomorrow. There's been someone coming to our church for a few weeks that's raised their hand, not sure about their salvation. And they talked to me today, and we're meeting tomorrow at 3 o'clock. So pray for them tomorrow when that happens, okay? And uh, I think that's an awesome thing. And so I love, they came to me. I've been praying for the Lord to convict them. Tried to meet with them this week. It just didn't work out, and it's going to happen tomorrow. And be praying for that. I always, if someone comes to our church, the goal is always to make a visit right away. And visit, I try to find out if they know the Lord or not. My... My philosophy and my way of doing things has changed through the years. I'm not against those that pray with people from the front of the room. If they do that, that's their thing. I'm not against that. I want someone, if they come to this church, to know for sure that they know Jesus. And what I've noticed is the best way to do it is to do what I do. I ask them to raise their hand, and I ask them to come find me. Say, but I'd, you should go to them. I will go to them when I go visit as well. But I want to be able to give them a clear gospel presentation, not a two-minute repeat-after-me thing and them not be sure about it. I would rather them know for sure and get it settled than to have it settled till the next time someone talks to them about it. Everyone's different, but my philosophy has changed on that. And I believe that it's important to do it that way. So be in prayer for that. But as we look at Saul and we look at what changed in his life, I want to give you a few points and I will be done. Number one, we see the reality of the persecution. And it didn't matter. And this is the thing, church, you need to remember something. Saul was in with all these people, right? Because he was one of the leaders of the persecution. So it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who you're preaching about. That's the issue. Back 2,000 years ago, the problem was Jesus. They didn't like Jesus, and they didn't want to hear about Jesus because they had him crucified. Now he's risen from the dead, and you're still talking about the guy? Quit speaking in that name. Today, in our world today, what do people not like? They don't like Jesus. That's the issue still today. And you might say, well, I've been persecuted for the Lord. It's the Lord that's getting persecuted. We just are the vessels that get done to today. Don't take it too personally. It's not an attack on him. It's an attack on him. It's been that way, and it's going to continue. Remember how Saul met the Lord. 
Hey, Saul, it's Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Well, did Saul take Jesus and persecute him? No, it's Jesus' followers. But what did Jesus say while he, was, while he was here? If they persecute you, they're persecuting me. And the reality was Saul was preaching Jesus, and the persecution was real. And may I just say tonight, we're getting to a day where this is going to come again, even in America where we are. And you better be ready to stand for what's right and to Jesus Christ. Because it's going to... We live in such an easy day of Christianity in our world. We'll get to heaven someday and know about those that were thrown in lion's dens, those that were burned in furnaces, those that were crucified upside down. What did you do for Jesus? Oh, I had a hard time knocking on someone's door and telling them about the Lord. I had a hard time with my coworker. Well, were they going to, did they have a shotgun and they were going to kill you? No. They were going to give me a dirty look. Maybe close their door on me. They're going to be looking at you like, what? That's all you faced? But persecution, it's the reality of it, it's there. Say, why? Letter A, because of Saul's doctrine that he was preaching. Because of the doctrine he was preaching. And that's why church is so important that you know your doctrine. Think about what the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 14. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every way, every wind of doctrine by the sliding of men and cunning craftiness wherein they lie in wait to deceive. You know, my job as your pastor is to teach you sound doctrine. That's why you need to be in a church where sound doctrine is preached. And if your pastor's not preaching sound doctrine, either vote them out. If I don't teach sound doctrine, vote me out. Or go find a church that has sound doctrine. It's important. Why was there persecution? Because of his doctrine. But letter B, we also... And I want to give you one more verse that I want you to see in... um, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, in verse 2 and 3, it says to preach the word. You know, the Bible says the fact, and if I'd had time, I'd have put the, I should have put the other verse up there to begin with. There's going to be time where people don't want the truth. There's going to be a time where people have those itch. They want to hear things that please them. But this one says, hey, you need to just preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine, for that time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine. But that means you still preach it. But after their own lust, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. People don't like the truth. It makes you have to make a decision and change. That's what they didn't like in that day. You preach Jesus, that, gets, that means that what they believed in in their Judaism, it isn't real. Jesus is real. They didn't want to, they didn't want that. People today are very comfortable where they are. But they might be comfortable today where they are, but I will say this, no one's going to be comfortable in hell someday. No one will be. Preach the truth. 
Because of his doctrine, he was persecuted. But also, letter B, because of his dedication or his consistency. Man, he was consistent. As we look at this passage, we see, just look at verse number 22. It says, But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwell at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. And after many days were fulfilled, he kept doing it. He didn't stop. Hey, church, he didn't have his weekly soul-winning time. He was witnessing all the time. He lived it. He consistently kept it up. He kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. They didn't like that. When I think about Paul, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter number 1 and verse 17 and 18, Neither went I up to Jerusalem of them which were the apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. Man, Paul was a nut for Jesus Christ. He was. He just, he was consistent. He was going to keep doing it. And he even gets arrested. And what does he do in that time? He tells those there, man, this is what happened to me on Damascus. He kept preaching there. Stop talking about Jesus. And look at all the persecution he faced. Do you know why they wanted to kill him? Because they realized that was the only way to shut him up. He was not going to shut up unless they killed him. It was not going to stop. Why is it so hard for us to talk about Jesus? Why? Say it's not, then when's the last time you talked to someone about Jesus? It's the last time you just threw his name out there for something. It's very convicting as I do this study on Paul to see and say, well, well, I'm new to Jesus. I used to, um, this guy was literally days, he was a babe in Jesus. He was a little baby. But he continued doing it. He was consistent. And they didn't like that. We see, number one, the reality of persecution. But number two, we see the help of the disciples here. Now, if you notice something and make sure you realize, do you realize that the apostles, the, the called ones, literally now most of the time are always called the apostles, the disciples are the followers of Jesus in these churches and things. You and I could be, I would hope, a disciple of Jesus today. A disciple is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And so as we look here and we see these things, you see the fact, the help that he got. Verse 25 tells us there, it says, Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. They helped him there. And how it was a lot of help for him. Now, when we think about today, and I just I thought of a couple thoughts in here and how we how you can help the work of God. Hey, how can you help the ministry of your church? How did they help the ministry there? They lowered Paul in a basket. And got him out of the city. If someone found out, they could have been killed for it, right? They were willing to help. And today, 
as we live in this day, hey, what can you do to help your pastor today? What can you do to help the ministry? Well, letter A, you can pray. You can pray. I would encourage you and I beg of you, if there's anything you do for me, pray for me. And I, and I, I am so thankful for those that do, but I would encourage you to pray for your pastor. You, do you realize Satan doesn't like someone preaching the truth? And in all reality, if you, and I'm not tr- going to park here long, but if you've never been a pastor, you don't know what it's like to be one. You don't know the struggles that you face. You don't know the hardship you face in the body that you serve with. You don't know what that's like if you haven't done it. And if you've done it, you know what it's like. And it's, and I love how Paul said in, 1 Thessalonians 5.25, hey, brother, and pray for us. How can we help the ministry? How can we help these things? We can pray. Letter B, we can give encouragement. Encouragement. And I, I want, and the, you think of, and encouragement's so important. Man, I met with a pastor this week. And I really, I have a heart for other pastors because I see it. And in all reality, I don't need someone to come up behind my back and pat me on the back often. I, I, the Lord helps me out a lot. But encouragement's good. I'm not going to say it's not. But there are just a lot of pastors that struggle. There's one that I heard, a friend of mine, is actually stepping away from ministry. And he and I are pretty close. And I didn't know about this. We talked on Monday. And his first words out of his mouth, I didn't know if you would even call me knowing I wasn't going to be in the ministry anymore. You think a friendship is that shallow? I said, no, I love you and I pray for you all the time. And I'm here for you. I get the struggles in this thing. I get, and I understand what you're saying here. There's no moral failure or anything going on. For his family's sake, he needs to step aside. And I am proud of someone that would, for their family, do that. Because a lot of times, pastors will put ministry before family. And if you don't have a family, you have no ministry. I think that's true. There's another pastor I went out with this week. And a while back, he had so many people attacking him from the outside. This one guy, not even in his church, a different pastor someplace else, got news from two of the guy's deacons about this guy, and they ran with it. And the fact is, I had, about six months ago, three of their members showed up at one of our services. And they're like, we're from this church, and our pastor, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, time out. I don't want to hear it. If you want to talk about your pastor, what we'll do is we'll call him up, have him come, and we'll all sit down together and hear the full story. I'm not going to talk about your pastor. And you know what I did when they came that day? I called him. I said, I hear you're struggling. Do you need anything? Do you want to talk and get together? At that time, he was kind of standoffish. I'm in Sam's Club few miles from here a while back and one of and one of the one of the deacons there he was there and i know the man 
and he comes up to me. Did you hear about my pastor? Oh, I hear that you guys are sending letters to every other pastor and every other Baptist pastor around. I've heard about that. Well, I'd really like your email. So I said, I don't want it. If you, if you guys, you have an internal church thing going on. If you need help, you all can reach out and have someone help. But you going about sowing discord in so many different places, and some of the named pastors in Baptist circles in the area condemning this pastor because they're trusting these two deacons? The whole story and the whole thing, I don't know. It's not my place to figure out. It's not my church. But we went out to lunch for two and a half hours on Tuesday. And he just bared his heart. They brought up stuff from his past a long time ago. He was divorced before he got saved. They all knew it. But they decided to drag it out after the fact and beat him over. And you say, well, the Bible says the husband of one wife. I believe that there. But I also believe you're a new creature in Christ. And I think that someone that gets saved, I could see, I can see that there. I don't know where I was, that's not my job. But the church knew this, and then there's, he needed encouragement. So I spent two and a half hours trying to encourage him. Tomorrow night he has a meeting at his church they have once a year that other pastors in the area, other meetings he had, they stole those meetings from him now and want nothing to do with him. So he has a little meeting for his church. I got a lot of things I can do on a Monday night. But I'm going there tomorrow night to be a Barnabas in his life. That's what people need. I look in our church, and we're not going to even get through our notes tonight. Don't worry, I'm ending here in a second. We'll finish up our notes next week. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm secure enough to not finish the notes and be okay. We'll be all right. We also need to encourage one another. Man, I, I, my prayer, and I look at our church right now, I see a lot of Christians that got to mature in this area. We are very good, and I see it right now in some, I see a tearing down taking place. We will never be what God wants us to be if we don't learn to be like Barnabas and encourage one another. Say, but I've been wronged. I get that. Do you, let's be honest here. How many people were wronged by Saul? Let's just stop there for a second. He was seeking them all out. He was, where was he going? He was going to Damascus, wasn't he? Who were the disciples? Where were they at? What disciples are we talking about that lowered him out of the city? It was in Damascus, right? These are the ones he wanted to kill. That's what Christianity is. Forgiving and encouraging God's people to do what's right. We need to encourage one another. I think there's one last thing underneath this point. Let me to you so that way we end at a good spot so I know where I'm at next time. But letter C, we see labor. How can, what can we do for the work of God? How can we help? We need to pray. Pray for the ministry. Pray for the work of God. Pray for your missionaries. Pray for your pastor. Pray for other pastors that are doing the work of God. And then encourage God's people. Man, I always, every time we'll have missionaries come through, and we're going to have more coming through before long. But when missionaries come, sometimes they show up unexpected. I do not like when a missionary shows up unexpected. I don't like it. 
And I, and, but they do. But do you know, I, they never leave here without a little wad of cash in their hand. Every single time. Say, do you know anything about, I don't, they're a missionary trying to serve God. And if I can put a little gas in their car, I'm going to do it. I want them to be encouraged. And then, not only give encouragement, but labor. Do the work. Be involved. Man, I had someone, one, someone in our church this last week call me, and they were like, Pastor, what can I do? And then they called me again, and they were like, and this was yesterday, I'm going to be at church tomorrow at such and such time. What can I do? When does that happen very often? And then they bug me there this morning. And I'm like, I got to find something for them to do. And I did. And you know the best part about it was I walked in this afternoon and a job that I've been needing to do for weeks was done. And I didn't have to do it. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to run to Home Depot for them to do it took care of it themselves. And do you know what encouragement that was to my heart today? For someone who probably could barely get up off the ground from the thing that they did to come and do a labor of love for the Lord? It encouraged my heart today. And our labor, it's not in vain in the Lord. And I see so much here, and we'll talk more about this next week and go a little deeper, but we're going to end there tonight.